Um, my, my question for today as we begin today's teaching is, um, who's hungry? Who's hungry? All right, so this morning I brought breakfast. I have uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Who's hungry? All right, I saw a hand right here. Here we go. His mom is like, no. Um, I have breakfast from McDonald's. It's some sort of biscuit and a hash brown. All right, I see hands over here. And I brought my, this is my wife. Like, if you ask my wife, like, what is your favorite breakfast food? She always says the same thing. She says chocolate cake. This is actually red velvet cake, which is chocolate, right? Yeah, so, okay, <laughs> it's tricky. Um, it's red velvet cake, and I was supposed to say that it's from Kroger. Does Kroger have really good? All right, so who, who's hungry for some? All right, I see, I saw Mia's hand in the very back back there. I'm going to pass this back. All right, so everybody that get, didn't get food, sorry, sorry. If you did get some food, I have one condition for you. Just, just one condition. You can smell it, breathe it in. Maybe you're sitting around them. My only condition for you is don't eat it. Don't eat it. Just hold on to it. Maybe you already took a savory bite. Okay, that's fine. Don't eat it because today's teaching is all about, you probably already guessed it. Fasting. Fasting. I hope this is not true, but I have a fear for Christians in the states where we live. I read somewhere recently that, that said, simply said, and, and I hope this is not true, but it simply said millions of self-professed Christians rarely pray, rarely read their Bibles, rarely give of their resources, Rarely serve the poor, rarely share your faith with the lost, or, or even worse, many seem to rarely notice or care. And kind of in response to this idea, last year, a, a pastor at Ethos Church in, in downtown Nashville, a friend of mine named Dave Clayton, he came up with this idea. He said, man, what, what can we do to awaken the city of Nashville? And, and uh, through some connections, he actually got a list of every single uh, family, every single household in, in the Nashville area, a list of more than one and a half million names. And he said, what if we prayed for every person in the city by name? Would that, would that awaken something in the hearts of Christians in Nashville? And would that awaken the movement of God's spirit in Nashville? And so I'm proud to say many of you were a part of it last year. Aspen Grove was a part of this. Uh, our church alone prayed for more than 3,000 names of people in our community. We lifted up those names. And, and really the purpose of Awaken Nashville, I think I have it on the screen when Stephen gets back from the bathroom or wherever he's at. Oh, there he is. There it is. I didn't see you back there. <laughs> Awaken Nashville is a citywide movement of prayer and fasting focused on unifying the church to strategically pray and bless the city one person at a time. Even if you look in our hallway, you can see the list of names that we prayed for out there. And we even wrote cards to, to these individuals. It was just this thing, this, this driven thing. And, and last year, more than 300 churches joined with this effort. 
And it was just a season of revival of prayer and fasting for those in the city. Really, like the in- intention of awaken is to awaken our hearts to God each day and make him known in our city. And fasting, frankly, is, is a part of this. And so I want to I just talk to you about what is fasting. And we're just going to walk through some of these steps as we prepare for Awaken 2020. The thing about fasting is that um, as, as Christians, like, <laughs> you either like hold fasting in this really high regard or you've never even considered it right? Like there's very little middle ground for, for fasting. And like often like Christians don't understand what fasting is or, or even worse, they don't want to understand what fasting is because frankly, who wants to be given Krispy Kreme and then told you can't eat it? So a simple definition of fasting is it's just refraining from food on purpose and, and specifically for a spiritual purpose. It's letting go of something physical to take hold of something spiritual. Um, Fasting as a a spiritual discipline, something that helps us grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of disciplines, a prayer and Bible study, even celebration. Fasting is one of those disciplines. It's It's been practiced throughout church history forever. And in the Bible, fasting is explicitly mentioned more than 70 times. Here are just a few examples. Moses fasted for 40 days before receiving the commands of God. David fasted for seven days as he prayed for his sick son. Ezra fasted as he mourned the sins of his community. Esther fasted for the safety of her people. Daniel fasted for 21 days as he sought clarity on a vision from God. In Acts chapter 9, Paul fasted for three days after having a vision of Jesus. In Acts 13, the church leaders in Antioch fasted before sending out missionaries. In Acts 14, the church in Galatia prayed and fasted before appointing new elders. And and if that isn't enough, really the example of, of Jesus is one of the strongest examples that we have. Right after his baptism in Matthew chapter 4, the skies part and a voice from heaven comes down and declares Jesus the Son of God. This, remember what the voice said, this is my Son. And immediately Jesus goes into the wilderness. Uh, wilderness is in, in the Bible is always this place of like searching and seeking and, and trying to discern kind of next steps. And so Jesus immediately goes into the wilderness. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. It says, For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. And what you, know, what you know maybe about this story already is that while Jesus is in the wilderness, he's being tested by the devil, right? Uh, there are all these tests that he throws at him and a really amazing, awesome study worthwhile, worth your effort in, in digging into. But what you see is that these are all tests of Jesus' sonship. If you really are the son of God. And Jesus passed all the tests of sonship, right? He proves that he is the son of God. And the way he does that is really another great lesson for us. Jesus proves he belongs to God, not by displaying his power, right? In fact, one of the, one of the very first tests, knowing that Jesus was very hungry, right? One of the very first tests was turn this stone into bread, Right? But Jesus passes his test of sonship by not displaying his power, because we know that Jesus can, but by being obedient to God 
in everything. Jesus even talks about this idea of fasting and his great teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18, here's what he says. He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they, they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. The Pharisees, the religious elite of the day, would fast twice a week, and they loved to make a big show of it, to show how special and religious they were. He says, I tell you the truth, that's the only reward you get. If you do this for some sort of like worldly attention, you'll get it, but that's all you'll get. He says, but when you fast, comb your hair, some harder for some, yeah, I know. Wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting. He goes on to say, like, and this is really important, no one will know you're fasting except who? Father in heaven, who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will, what's it say? It's an expectation of fasting. It says when you fast. It's not an, an exception, but an expectation. Not Fasting isn't something like, like Jesus totally knew that this was a normative part of the Christian life. This is a normative part of a follower of God was to choose this discipline. Now, I say that because Jesus says, when you fast, when you fast. But still, I, I, it's important to know fasting is never commanded. And so maybe that's why some of us have kind of slid under the radar a little bit. Uh, okay, it wasn't commanded, but it's definitely the witness of Scripture and the example of Jesus. So the next question is, uh, why fast? What's the real purpose behind this thing? And what I would tell you is, uh, I, I tell everybody this, like, sometimes people get excited about fasting because the first thing they think is, oh, awesome, I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> like, I get to you know, it, it's, I get two points for this. You know, it's like the end one. I get to do something for God and I get to lose weight. Okay, like, so first thing I want, you know, fasting is not a diet. At least spiritual fasting isn't. You know, I know intermittent fasting is is really popular idea right now and, and for sure can have some health benefits. But uh, this is fasting, remember, for what? It's not for health purpose, but for a spiritual purpose. I love what St. Thomas Aquinas said about fasting. He said, fasting is a perfect quieting of all of our impulses, um, fleshly and spiritual. He says, fasting is not meant to drag us down, but to still us. It's not meant to distract us from the real, but rather to silence us so that we can hear things as they most truly are. Sometimes when I talk to people about the spiritual disciplines of faith, and uh, uh, Richard Foster has, an, has an, an incredible book about spiritual disciplines. I'd love, it's got it on my shelf. I'd love for you to dig into it, dig deeper into it. But there are practices that we do as Christians that, that, that help us grow as followers of Jesus Christ. They, they in a sense, like we, we kind of need to reject some old programming and, and engage. We need to be reprogrammed sometimes as Christians. And some of this reprogramming, frankly, just comes from our reprogramming our appetite. Um, how many of you, uh, your mouth watered just at the sight of the McDonald's bag? Right? Like, um, like let's just be really, really honest. If, if our culture has an idol today, it is probably the golden arches, right? Like, I mean, it's, 
Like, like, and not just the golden arches, but it's food in general, right? And, and our stomachs, and, and I'm, I'll pick on Americans more than anybody, our stomachs more than any other stomach in the world are spoiled children. Can we agree? Can we agree? Yeah. They're easily swayed, easily tempted, impulsive and reactionary sometimes. Like how many of you, like if you don't get breakfast, like the stomach, you're, the, the signal, like your stomach signals the rest of your body, right? The, the signal you get from your stomach, say you don't get breakfast is not like, hey, you're, you're a little bit hungry, maybe you're a little bit edgy. No, the signal is you are going to die immediately, <laughs> right? Like I'll apply the same thing to coffee, right? I know it's a sacred ground. You don't have your coffee, what's going to happen? The world is going to come to an end. I know. <laughs> I love this other quote. It, just, it simply says, the purpose of fasting is, is to loosen to some degree the ties that bind us to the world of material things and our surroundings as a whole in order that we may concentrate all our spiritual powers upon the unseen and eternal things. So as I think about the purpose of fasting, one of the purposes of fasting is to reveal the things that control us. How much control does your stomach have over you? Maybe stated differently, what are you really hungry for? Go back to the story of Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, experiencing temptation, like his stomach is aching and groaning. The devil tempts him, says, hey, you can make bread out of anything. Why don't you just turn these stones into bread? And I love Jesus' response in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He says, he says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This sounds like something the Son of God would say, right? People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I love this quote, and it, it, it actually is, Jesus is quoting Moses out of the Old Testament. He's quoting, it's a quote from Deuteronomy. And what's happened is that Israel has been released, the people of God have been released from captivity, and God sends them into the wilderness. And they're there for a long time, right? Like, and it, this is like spoiled children. The people of God enter into this wilderness expecting, you know, a spa and, a, you know, a life of ease and plenty. But the wilderness is, is not what that is, right? They, they cross the Red Sea and they enter into this place that is not at all what they expected or at all what they wanted, Right? In fact, if you look closely, the people of God immediately, almost, almost immediately say, can we go back to slavery? It was better than this. And yet God sends them into the wilderness. Uh, honestly, uh, maybe it seems like this, but God sends them into the wilderness not to punish them, but to grow, draw near to them. In the wilderness, God pursues his people. It is a place of intense relationship building. 
And I don't know if you remember, but when Israel goes into the wilderness, surprise, surprise, there's no food and there's no water. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. It says, he says, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and to your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Like, I love that this is, this is a whole side teaching, and we could talk about this later when we talk about some of this stuff. But you remember they received manna from heaven. Do you remember this? Like in the morning, there was, there was this stuff that they could gather and collect, and, and, it, and it was called manna, which is really interesting because the word manna really in Hebrew means, what the heck is this? <laughs> That's what manna means. Like they, they'd never had manna before. You know what I'm saying? Like it was never on their menu. It was never part of their diet. It was something completely out of the ordinary, and it, and it seemed to come out of nowhere, and the, the people took it for the first time, you know, like imagine like in, in God's people, there were two-year-olds too that had to have manna for the first time. You know what I'm saying? Like trying to convince them, like what the heck is this? What is it? And, and I love that what comes out of that is, is exactly what Jesus says. He says, hey, we, we don't live by bread alone but we, we, we live by this thing, this unexpected thing, this thing that maybe we didn't even know or recognize what it was before, but we find life from God. Even uh, in, in just a few moments after this teaching, we're gonna dismiss you to a time of communion, the Eucharist, and we've got tables set up around the room. Uh, it's our tradition to get up and go visit the tables, and, and on the table is, is a little cup and a, and a little piece of, piece of cracker which, which represents something really important. Like even the Eucharist, the communion meal we're, we're about to take is, is all about somehow surviving somehow taking our sustenance like let's be honest that little that little juice and cracker is not going to sustain you right but but as an example of of leaning in and, and trusting that the body and blood of Jesus Christ to somehow consume him to somehow take him in and receive what we need from him I, I know I've used this example before, but, you know, when I was in the Boy Scouts, they taught you, what do you need to survive? You need food, you need shelter, and you need Starbucks, right? Like, and, and really, honestly, the message of fasting is, is something completely different. It really is, is to challenge and to question, what do you really need to survive? You need oxygen? Or do you need Jesus? Which is more important? Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy our appetites and cravings and deepest longings. Fasting in a, in a really kind of tangible way forces us to ask again, like how much do, do we truly depend on God? Do, do I really need him to get through my day? Do I really need him to get through my morning? Or do I just need a, a little protein bar? 
Fasting also is this way of like creating alignment in us. Uh, just a warning, you're for sure going to be challenged to fast, but part of fasting is about, um, or one of the things that can happen in, when you fast is to bring an awareness of, of our sinfulness and God's holiness. When we really stop to think, fasting exposes areas of our life that maybe we have not completely turned over to him. Fasting often draws people to, to realize and confess that, that you know, as, when you stop and like just push all this other stuff away and just try to think about God, one of the things that often happens is that people realize that maybe our lives with God are not as they ought to be. And there's, there's like some, some exposure that happens there. You know, it happened with the people of Israel, right? Like what were they dependent on and who did they really need? Fasting sometimes helps us to acknowledge our state of spiritual famine. Fasting can position us before him again and, and, and honestly can just have a really humbling effect. Fasting is a way of like all of a sudden giving God all the attention. On purpose, carving out some moments to give him all the attention. So how do you fast? I want to talk just briefly, about, give, you, give you some how-tos, give you some tips, give you some, some information, then I'm going to give you a challenge. Uh, on your seat today is a, a, a simple book called Revival Starts Here. Uh, it's a book we gave out last year, and we're giving it out again because this is a, like, a great beginner introductory guide to fasting. Like he's, uh, my friend Dave wrote this. He's going to walk you through, uh, especially at the back there, there are some appendix. Uh, you could probably read this whole book in two hours, really. Uh, it'll enlighten you to fasting and how to's and answer a bunch of great questions. Um, the appendix, especially like maybe some of you are saying, well, I have kids. How do you fast with kids? He even, even talks about how do you fast with your family? Uh, we fasted as a family together. You know, I, I encourage you to talk to them about what you're doing and why, and maybe even give them an opportunity to fast too, right? Like, okay, but don't force it on them. Is that, do we understand that? Okay, all right. Um, encourage you, pick that book up, start reading it, take it with you today. It'll be a really helpful guide. Um, how you fast has a lot to do with the objective that you're trying to accomplish. And I really encourage you to think about the objective of fasting. What is, what is your objective? To what end or purpose? Uh, what do you hope to accomplish through fasting? Well, I'm going to save money on my grocery bills this month. Like, okay, well, yeah, but what else? Um, Fasting partnered with Awaken is, is really about your friends and neighbors, right? Last year, we prayed for one and a half million strangers. This year is going to be a little bit different. We're going to challenge you to pray for friends and neighbors. Are you willing to fast for them? Fasting is about, a, I, I hope that you'll use some of this time, some of your intention in this. Would it be for, to pray for our church? I want to know what's next for Aspen Grove. I'm, I'm anxious for God to provide and fill us in, to guide us into those next steps. I, you know, I have this such strong sense for our church that, that we're not finished here and there's something more for us. And fasting is the place to take those questions, to take those longings, to take those urgings before God and to grow, just simply to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's our heartbeat. That's our mission at Aspen Grove. And 
I think probably you're sitting there thinking about fasting and, and like, how should I do this? And should I do this at all? And like, how's Adam even going to know? He's not. I don't care. You know, like, um, um, I think about that question. Like, like, are you growing as a follower of Jesus Christ? How? How? I think fasting is a great tool for this that can help you grow. And, and I would encourage you to, like, only you know you. Like, like um, uh, as you think about fasting, as you think about growing, hey, do I really want to grow closer to Jesus this year? How would I do that? Consider fasting. And, and I think uh, your, your, your fasting goal objective should be a challenge to you, Right? It shouldn't be too difficult or too easy, but if you already know that you can do it before you even start, I think you ramp it up here, right? Grow, challenge yourself, stretch yourself, stretch your spiritual rubber band, start small and build up over the month. There are a couple of different types of fasting. Um, maybe the most familiar, you know, is like a major fast. Um, a major fast is, uh, the Bible uses the expression 40 days, a, a bunch um, a long one, right? Like a major fast is for marathon runners, right? Like, like, so like if this is your first experience fasting, don't fast for 40 days, okay? I'll just give you that. Like it may not work out for you. You know, start small to finish big. Um, I actually have lots of friends who fast for 40 days on a regular basis. And you think, how could they go without food for 40 days? They do it all the time. They do it all the time, Right? They, they do it in a way that's healthy and responsible and, for them, incredibly powerful. But still, I think 40 days is probably not where you should start. Um, there are also minor fasts, which are, are kind of intermittent interval fast, and that's what I'm really going to encourage each of you to step into. Um, maybe it's a meal, just one meal, uh, a meal a day, a meal a week. Uh, uh, I know a lot of Christians that fast Sunday morning and they break their fast in communion at worship, which I think is awesome and just an incredibly powerful idea. Um, for us at Aspen Grove, I challenge you to fast uh, on Mondays. You can do from dinner Sunday night to, to break your fast on dinner Monday night. Maybe pick one meal on Monday. Um, and, and I think there's some power in us doing that together. Uh, there are also uh, partial fasts. Uh, a partial fast is uh, like the Daniel fast. Have you ever heard of Daniel fast? Uh, uh, I, this is gross, but I lovingly refer to the Daniel fast as becoming a human salad shooter. Um, a Daniel fast is nothing but fruits, vegetables, and water, right? Eat as much fruit, vegetables, and water as you absolutely want. Eat to your heart's content. Um, it's an example of Daniel. He spends 21 days, essentially fruits, vegetables, and water. Uh, for, for 21 days. Uh, this is an awesome, incredible, powerful, powerful way to fast. But you could even do it for a day. You could, you know, combine an intermittent fast with a Daniel fast. Hey, I don't know how I feel doing no food for, but I'm going to do just salad. I'm going to do just, you know what I'm saying? Like choose those things that are, that are worthy for you. Um, and, you know, I feel like I, I kind of got to say this, but uh, of course, you know, like I don't, I, I, I'm not trying to make you unhealthy. I'm not, we're not, you know, it's not a punishment. Like we're not trying to, you know, uh, some of you definitely should not fast. You know, frankly, there may be some health stuff going on. Like, and, and if your doctor tells you don't do it, you really should not do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? 
Uh, but for you, there are, there are other non-food fast. Now, I want to say, like, I really encourage the, if, if you're physically able and can do it in a healthy way, I encourage you to abstain from food. But if you can't, then lots of people choose a, maybe a social media fast, maybe a Facebook fast. I will choose a Facebook fast for some of you, and you know who you are. Like, ah, like <laughs> Lord Jesus, stay off of Facebook. Um, sorry, that was a tantrum, but it's the truth. Um, you know, encourage you to try food if you haven't. Otherwise, man, it's, it's okay to think of something else. A screen, what is, you know, I, I, think, I think to pay attention to what has hold of you. What, what, has a, what has maybe an uncomfortable amount of hold on you? And to release those things, to demonstrate obedience is, is any, any obedience is always good. For us um, as a church, uh, we're going to do this together. Uh, maybe this, this sounds or feels a little bit different, but in two weeks, on January 26th, we're, we're going to start Awake in Nashville, and I'm so excited. Right now, there are almost 500 churches in Nashville doing this together. Is that amazing? So what you need to know already is, like, there's going to be 500 churches filled with people who want coffee just as much as you, right? <laughs> like, like um, but hopefully what you'll know is, like, hey, you're not in this alone, Starting on January 26th through February 23rd, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I encourage Mondays. I think Mondays would be great if we all knew Asthma Grove on Mondays is a fast day for us, a fast meal for us. Like, like I love that, but it, obviously, like, you, you get to choose. You get to decide. On February 23rd, we're going to celebrate it together. And I don't know, I'll bring Krispy Kreme donuts for everyone. You know, like, I don't know. But I think, I think you need to have an end date that can be a celebration date, and that's going to come. February 23rd. Uh, I think it's fun that we do it alone. And um, honestly, Jesus talks a lot about fasting and don't do it in public and don't do it in a showy way. And I definitely don't think you should ever fast in a way that is kind of like, like prideful or arrogant. But I definitely think you should, especially if you're kind of a, a rookie at fasting, you should do it with somebody else. Um, I encourage you to invite others to fast with you. Uh, it's good to just have a place of encouragement where you can share the experience that you're having uh, because you're, you're definitely going to hit some walls in this. And it's good to have somebody to talk to about it, right? Man, I really had a struggle this morning. Ran, here's what it felt like. But with all of those walls you hit, you're also going to have breakthroughs. And it's an awesome place to be able to say, man, this morning when I was fasting, it was difficult, but I really felt like God was showing me this. I really felt like God was revealing this to me. And sometimes it's a great place for confession and repentance. And it's a place for grace too, right? Like if you fall off the wagon, like, oh, I forgot, or oh, I just couldn't resist. Like, okay, uh, okay, right? Doing it with somebody else is a place to, like, you know, we're not here to beat you up. But just invite you back on. Step back into this thing. Remind each other that, that, that you can do this. Uh, and the element of this that I'd love to add is some testimonies throughout the month. I'd love from he to hear from some of you of how's it going. What's showing up out of you? And again, this is like not about a prideful display. Like, I, I think if you see somebody doing this to somehow, like, raise their religious score somehow, I think it's going to be pretty obvious to everyone, don't you think? 
But if somebody's going about this this humbly, then then sharing the burden and, and the blessing can be really affirming, building kind of idea. Finally, I know I'm taking up a bunch of time, but a couple of miscellaneous things about your fast. And as you start to plan and prepare and think about what it is, the first one is just just water. Um, you could go, okay, I'm fasting from food. I'm only drinking Dr. Pepper. Okay, like <laughs> food and water would be a, a great place to start. Drink plenty, plenty of water before and after and during. Um, uh, I know this hurts to hear, but weaning yourself off caffeine is also helpful. Um, I would say don't try to cheat your fast. You know, some people see it like, oh, I'm going to fast lunch, so I'm going to eat six breakfasts. Like, no, don't cheat your fast. This is not going to be helpful. It's not, it's not healthy. It's not going to be helpful to you in any kind of way. Um, uh, uh, finally, I was going to say, um, don't just focus on what you remove. Remember to replace. Don't just remove, replace. Um, Jesus tells us really fascinating, interesting story about demons that leave a house and then the house is left empty. And it's really important to think about, okay, if I, if I create this space, if I remove this one thing, what am I going to put in? And you, you need to be really intentional about that put in piece. Because if you don't intentionally put something in, what's gonna happen? Man, that's when you're gonna trip or fall or be tempted or it's gonna come in some other way. So, like, say you're fasting from lunch on Mondays. Um, go for a walk, right? Go for a prayer walk. Maybe take those moments to just, maybe you have 30 minutes for lunch. Like, I don't ever have 30 minutes for lunch. I don't know how long you get. Like, maybe you have 10 minutes for lunch. <laughs> okay, so here's 10 minutes that I'm going to focus on prayer. 10 minutes I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to journal and, and pursue God. 10 minutes I could, you know, you can follow Dave's book. It's a great resource. Um, 10 minutes I'm going to spend in my Bible just seeking God. And, and maybe it's 10 minutes with others who are fasting with you and you guys pray together, spend time with friends. The big thing that I would encourage you to do in that space, whatever space you're creating, is to listen. How is God trying to speak to you through his word? What's he want to reveal to you? Finally, I recognize that I'm just kind of up here saying, hey, I think you guys should fast and nobody has said, I'm in, I'll do it. <laughs> um, but I challenge you to take it seriously. Well, I think how you prepare is really going to reveal what you expect to happen. Your preparation, so I'm telling you, like this, we're not starting until the end of this month. You got two whole weeks. I want you to start thinking and preparing because preparation reveals expectation, I think. Right? Like how you prepare yourself for the season is really going to have an impact on what comes out of it. If you cast it off or don't think about it or, or put it in the closet and then all of a sudden try to step into it, like that's, you, you may short circuit yourself there. Finally, just uh, I want to give you a couple of questions in a verse as we wrap up our time together. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus simply said, he said, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you believe that? What do you need to, to survive? What in your life right now is really sustaining you? As you consider fasting and as we send you to a time of communion, I just want to give you three questions. Here they are. 
Who are three people you love who are not yet followers of Jesus? Where do you sense God wants to revive you and your family? And where do you believe the church needs a fresh awakening? I think these are powerful, important questions that you can take into your fast together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Um, maybe this feels really, feel like, feels really wild and weird. I, I mean, I, I think in a sense it's kind of supposed to, God. Like everything in our culture says consume and take and serve yourself and fill up. And here we are talking about something that's radically different. And so, Father God, help us even with our, with our discomfort with that. Help us, maybe, maybe we've never fasted before. Maybe this is, this is such an outside-the-box thing. Maybe, maybe there are even some, some really new Christians here, people who don't know how to think about God. Even then, God, I don't, I don't, exempt, I don't exempt them from the challenge of your word. I don't, I don't exempt them from the example of Jesus. But, I, but help them to find healthy ways to obediently follow your example. Father God, it's not overstated to say that the, like what this world needs is you. What these marriages, what these families, what these individuals, what these workplaces needs, Father God, comes from you and you alone. So Father God, I just pray that uh, as we fast from food, may we feast on your spirit. May we take you fully in. And may that begin as we enter into this time of communion. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen.